Hey everyone, Tim Finley here. Before we get started, I want to give you a heads up. The prologue has some pretty dark imagery and emotion that some of our listeners may have uh, some difficulty listening to. I know because I had some difficulty reading it. But that being said, as dark and as bleak as it starts, I can assure you the finish is far brighter. So stay in the saddle, grind it out, and I promise you the finish line is well worth the ride. What I want more than anything is just a horse that won't quit. There's no way he finishes. I owe him the chance. Get up. I'm Tim Finley, and this is To Live With Honor. Prologue. Dulce et decorum est pro patria mori. It is sweet and proper to die for one's country. Horus. It started with a ranger's boots. In April 2003, I pushed open double doors to the receiving area of Doverport Mortuary. My horseshoe heel taps clicked against the tile, announcing the arrival of an honor guard. I caged my eyes and made them stern then inspected the room with purpose, the way one would expect an honor guard to look, the way I figured everyone would expect an honor guard to look. I didn't walk, I marched. I wouldn't talk, I would state. Port Mortuary had requested the help of a guardsman and asked for the best. I did my best to play the part. Even at 23, I knew what the job entailed. I expected torn corpses and eviscerated heroes. I was prepared for the formaldehyde stink. I anticipated empathy and curiosity. These were my heroes, men who bravely answered the call in a way I hadn't had the chance to. As a ceremonial guardsman, I knew and appreciated as well as any the cold realities and costs of war. I knew what to expect walking in, but not walking out. They say heroes never die, but none of mine were alive. Caskets filled shelves along the far wall. Gurneys sat scattered around the garage-style room. Three caskets packaged in shipping boxes lined abreast in front of me. I marched to them in the middle of the room and halted, bringing my heels together in a loud clack. Master Sergeant Rogers, a statuesque, mixed-race woman, startled at the sound and swung green eyes at me from across the room. She handed a clipboard to a woman in medical scrubs and walked over to me. As she walked, I read the names on the boxes. She stopped in my way as if to block me. She inspected my uniform and traced the starch creases down to my boots and stopped. She stared a long while, then looked up. Is that leather luster? I smirked. An honor guard knows when he's being inspected. He lives for it. He also knows when he's passed. Leather luster is cheap polish. It's brushed on liquid that hardens to a perfect mirror shine. Lazy. (laughs) No, ma'am. This is all hand polished. Christ. Olsen wasn't kidding. What's that? Olsen says you're the Superman of honor guards, that you're the best flag folder in the DoD, and he said your boots were ridiculous. 
Guardsmen are supposed to embody the nation's gratitude. What thanks is an imperfect honor guard? She offered a tiny smile. I'm sure the families would be proud to know you were here. I'm afraid most families aren't exactly fond of us. What? What makes you say that? I paused, realizing what she couldn't. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's complicated. You see, in a way, in the family's mind, we're the symbol of their worst fear. Or the worst moment of their lives. We are the symbol of the death of what they love most. We polish our boots and starch our uniforms the way we do to perfection, so that at least in that symbol they realize how much their sacrifice meant to the country, to the flag we fold, to you, and to me. And I polish my boots like this by hand, because that is what it means to me. I paused again, noticing her expression fell off balance, and I tried to catch it. But we choose to be that symbol. It's our duty. And so is this. I motioned to the boxes behind her. She looked at them, then back to me, and brightened her tone. I'm happy to have your help. We need to get caught back up. With the rack kicking off and the pilo crashes, we're getting way behind. We've had well over a hundred delivered in the last two weeks, and there's dozens more on their way. Her voice weakened and her eyes tired. She became less sergeant and more mother. Before you get started, I have to preface. You may see and experience things here that touch you. You'll find that you take a piece of each of these men with you. We have a counselor on staff and a chaplain on speed dial. You can also talk to me or anyone else here. Don't hesitate. I appreciate that, ma'am, but it won't be necessary. I volunteered for this. These men did their duty. This is mine. Our job is honor. And it's also death. I'm an honor guard. We carry the weight of the dead. She squinted. Airman Finley, I believe you. She forced a smile through a complex expression. She continued with instructions, then a commotion over her shoulder snagged my attention. A team of scrub-wearing personnel wheeled a soldier out through the autopsy doors on a gurney. His green dress uniform was perfect. A powder blue rope looped around his right shoulder. His best bald fade haircut was his last. He was a ranger. A hulk of a man bedecked with medals commensurate with his heroism. He slept. Men like that don't die, right? They hoisted my hero off the gurney with straps and lowered him into his casket. Their reverence hewed a cold realization. He was better than me. Better than I could ever be. And I was what he would never be again. I felt like I had stolen something from him, something undeserved. My gaze froze on him. Master Sergeant Rogers looked back over her shoulder in response. She stared at him with dour eyes. That's actually your first job. He had a request, and if the deceased makes a request in their will, we oblige. No questions asked. Staff Sergeant Olson, a portly though crisp 20-something, walked over with a pair of new black jump boots. He interjected. That's right. If Johnny wants to be buried in his pink baseball cap, Johnny gets his pink baseball cap. He extended the boots out to me. He wanted to be buried with his boots polished. Olsen looked down at my boots. You're hired. Normally, the process prevents us from interring members with footwear, but this was his request. We need this ASAP as he leaves tomorrow. Can you get these polished for us? I stared starstruck at the boots, then back to the ranger. 
I lost grip of my professional veneer. Yes, ma'am. I took the boots from Molson. They were heavy. Great. Why don't you go do that? And when you're done, you can come back and get started on the flags. She pointed behind me to the corner of the room opposite the ranger. Holding the boots, I'd forgotten my whole reason for being at Dover. I turned to look. A three-foot stack of red and white stripes rested on a table, each with a tag pinned to it. Hundreds of triangle-shaped plastic sleeves and cardboard boxes lined up beneath the table. I shivered. Excuse me, ma'am, can, can you give me a minute? I walked between the two to the ranger, now resting alone in his casket. I read his name tag and soaked in the perfection of his dress uniform. I committed it to memory. I saw no wound, no bleeding holes, just quiet, perfect death. I looked at the boots in my hand and then to the black socks on his feet. I thought of everything he'd never do or be. I felt his dreams and aspirations that still burned the moment before the bomb exploded. I wondered what this man could otherwise have accomplished. I am your honor guard. They will be perfect, I promise. My jaw tightened. This was no funeral detail or flag-folding ceremony. Before me laid the cold bedrock of honor. This casket was open, and the face before me was real. These boots were real. In honore et dignitate. I turned back and walked over to the two. I'll need clamps and something to fold on. Clamps? Do I need to call security? <laughs> no, it's so I can latch down the union into the flag and get a good tight fold. You saying our flag folding is lousy? I faked a grin. You're not honor guards. He smiled at my arrogance. And that's why you're here, high speed. Hey, try not to cut yourself on those creases. We don't do a lot of first aid around here. I didn't respond, but instead looked past Olsen and Rogers to the stack of flags. My grin went away. As Olsen walked back into autopsy, Rogers spoke hushed. You might carry the weight of the dead, Airman Finley, but if honor is what carries you... Well, better be a strong horse. Over the ensuing days, I folded every flag. I folded until my hands went raw at the knuckles and bled. I put on white honor guard gloves to continue, but I bled through them. I looked at my knuckles in shame and folded harder, more forcefully, as if to squeeze more blood out. It wasn't enough. And it never would be. As I folded their flags, hundreds of dismembered remains rolled in the garage door to my left and back out from the autopsy room to my right, transformed into decorated heroes. I refused to see them as corpses. Instead, they were my men, my troops, parading their heroism before me. They had names which I memorized and stories which I researched. I swore promises to each of them as they left the gate at Port Mortuary to finish their missions and go home, I stood at attention and saluted. That's what honor guards do. Salute the dead. I didn't have a horse. Special thanks to Dallas and Danielle Varwig on that episode. Be sure to stop by the website at tolivewithhonor.com and then go to the episodes page, and there you'll find the prologue post, 
and that'll have history, uh, some side stories and photos and media to go along with the story to give you more context of that time spent at Dover and that time spent as an honor guard. Also on the website, you'll find links to social media. It's Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, if that's your thing. If it's not, you can send me an email at timandhonor at gmail.com. Feel free to send me questions, comments, lousy dad jokes, whatever your bag of tricks is. But most importantly, I wanted to make sure that I was available for this reason. Over the last several years, I've given this presentation hundreds of times. And there is invariably at least one, if not two or three individuals that will pull me aside afterward and break open. Because there is something in this story that reaches them at a visceral level that I guess something prior hasn't. And I understand and respect the kind of courage it takes to be that kind of vulnerable. And I know that doing it doing it out in the open on Twitter is not a thing for a lot of these a lot of these people. And some of these people have not shared or broken open in decades. And so it is it is a privilege uh, to be that vector. And I want to be able to open that forum as much as possible and make my story as available to them and their story as available to me as as possible. Uh, because I think the value in this story is not just telling it, but sharing it. And I think that's where the difference is truly made. So do not hesitate. Bring your dark humor. Bring your your sick jokes. Um, and we'll all have a good laugh. And, uh, and if you do need to talk or you want to share something that maybe you haven't, by all means, send me an email or contact me in a DM. I'd love to hear about it. Just spare me the latrine art. I've seen enough of that. Done with it. As talented as some of you may be. And to be fair... There is some talent out there. One last thing I want to do before we go is every episode, I want to feature a veteran service organization that is doing their part to help veterans along these lines. And for this episode, I want to feature New Freedom Farm out of Buchanan, Virginia. Uh, that's put on by Lois Dawn. They specialize in assisting veterans with PTSD, substance abuse, and traumatic brain injury through equine-assisted therapy. If you are in the Virginia area or anywhere up and down the I-95 corridor or the Appalachian corridor, uh, this is a fantastic program. I've seen it firsthand. They do marvelous work. So by all means, it's newfreedomfarm.org. Give them a look. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast service you're listening on and come back for Chapter 1, Providence. Final production of this episode comes on 27 September 2020. Coincidentally, Gold Star Mother's Day. So this episode is dedicated to Becky Lalush, the mother of Michael Lalush, the sixth flag I folded. I'm Tim Finley. This is To Live With Honor. Live Fierce. This all ends. <laughs>